This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Now, I don't know if you can hear it, but I I think I have a little bit of a a croaky voice going on. Uh, I have a cold. It came on yesterday. started out as a scratchy throat, and as the day wore on, I started thinking, ah, yeah, this is is a cold. At least I hope it's a cold uh, and nothing more. It seems like it's just a cold. And so uh, I'm doing something right now that I don't, normally do on the show, which is I have a lozenge in my mouth as we speak. It's tucked between my cheek and my gum, and I and I hope I don't start doing the Jerry Lewis, I'm a film genius kind of talk. You know, that, that's, a, that's a Martin Short's impression. I know that was, didn't sound anything like Jerry Lewis, but when Martin Short would do impressions of Jerry Lewis, he would do the crazy young Jerry Lewis, but then he would also do the the genius filmmaker, serious uh, Jerry Lewis, who uh, would seem to have a lozenge in his mouth as he talked. So that's that's the thing that uh, Martin Short would do. So I, the impression I was doing there was of Martin Short doing an impression of, G, of Jerry Lewis. I I will attempt to not make that kind of sound while I have this lozenge in there. I have the lozenge in there to help keep me from coughing during the uh, the show. Uh, I'm not at the stage where I got a lot of runny nose things going on, so I probably shouldn't sniff so much, but I might be clearing my throat a little. So, you know, bear with me. Uh, I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Hey, you know, this seems familiar. Something seems familiar about this. Oh, yeah. I have just, I just restarted this show. You don't know that, and if I didn't say anything, you wouldn't have known that. But, see, I had started the show, and I'd done about five minutes when I realized that no, none of my talking was being recorded. Or it was picking up because I didn't have the microphone set correctly on my recording software. So I went, well, shit. <laughs> now i got to go back and do that whole opening bit again. So it's not deja vu for me. It's just I had to do this over again. I'm just you know letting you know. I could have not said anything, and you would have never known. This is the kind of thing you get from from Dimland Radio. You get to hear, you get to learn about some of the behind the curtain stuff that other shows wouldn't tell you. They want to come off as perfect, no problems, everything's great. Well, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I I try to be as good as as I can, but nobody can be perfect. Anyway, um, so yeah, I got a little bit of a cold. Uh, I also have a toothache. Now, it's not bothering me right now. Uh, I've taken some Tylenol, 
and it's 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 calmed down but i have a couple of broken teeth in the back of my mouth lower part on the left just in case you're keeping track at home and they've been broken for a long time and what i mean is they had fillings in them and the fillings gave up after a while you, you, that's a that's a lesson to you younger people you know, before you start getting cavities and fillings in, 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 in them in those cavities, you know, try to prevent them. Brush those teeth. Take care of them. I brush my teeth every day, floss every day. Still, uh, when I was younger, though, uh, I, 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 before I started really taking care of my teeth, uh, I got lots of cavities and lots of fillings. And, and over time, those fillings begin to lose their grip. And they begin to break off of your teeth. And that's when you start needing crowns. And I can't afford crowns. So... The teeth weren't bothering me, the two broken ones, they weren't bothering me for the longest time. I mean, there's maybe a twinge here and there once in a while, but rarely. I mean, really, rarely. But over the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of, well, what's going on here? And last night was yesterday evening when I got home from work. Uh, it was, it was, whew, it was really, really bothering me. You know, having the cold come on, I don't know if the cold intensified it at all, but you know, there it was. So I got, I got the, I got the scratchy, sore throat kind of happening, and a little bit of the sinus stuff starting to happen from the cold. And then I got this throbbing lower jaw thing, and I was, Ugh. and Amy said to me, "Take one of my oxys." She's got oxycodone. You remember a couple weeks ago now, she broke her shoulder, so she got some, you know, painkiller, you know, pain medicine. Um, and so she's, she's been trying to be very judicious about her use of oxycodone because it's addictive. It can cause some problems and it can give you constipation. They also say you should get a stool softener along with taking the stuff because that will help you not shit your pants. Oh, Jesus. Somebody walked into the store up there. He better not come down here and start talking to me. If he does, I'll introduce you to, to him, but let's just, con let's continue. I sent him a text saying, Hey, don't come into the store. But he's up there. Never mind. More behind the scenes. Oh, I think he's leaving again. I hope he's leaving again. <laughs> I just hear the beep and I'm distracted. I don't want to start the show over a third time. So anyway, <clears throat> I did take one of her oxycodone. And it it really did help. Uh, but now I'm, I'm trying not to do you know that because you know, you shouldn't take other people's pre prescription medicine you really shouldn't that's 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 but it was pretty bad so hopefully the tylenol can get me through the weekend and i can call in and see what needs to be done uh yeah so you know i'm sorry eh, i'm falling apart it's called entropy you get older you fall apart but on the good side uh my plantar fasciitis hasn't been bothering me for quite some time now uh, I, I'm still wearing the indoor shoes with the insoles that are to help that ailment, and and that's been good. Uh, I'm still so I'm still doing that. And then my left knee, which was my right knee, used to bother me, and I, put, I got a brace for it, and I would wear it when I work here at the comic book store, which I'll do the commercial in a moment. Uh, I, I used to wear it because I'd be standing on my feet for hours. Um, so uh, it, it, the, the right knee stopped bothering me. It's it's kind of readjusted itself or whatever it did. I don't know. But then the left knee started getting the same problem. So now I'm wearing the brace on the left knee, which I'm wearing as I speak. I got the net brace right there, right there. I'm tapping it with my finger. You probably can't hear me tapping it, but I'm doing that. So, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. So a couple of things have gotten better. A couple of things have gotten worse. I mean, the cold will go away eventually, and the tooth will be dealt with. But, you know, we do have some, you know, dental insurance, but not great. 
So we'll just we'll see what needs to be done. I mean, you would think we'd have universal health care, universal dental. You think in a country with as much money as we've got would have that for everybody. You'd think we would, but you know, the Republicans don't care about people. Oh, I'm sorry. Do I get political? <laughs> oh, by the way, I am recording this once again from the basement of Nostalgia Zone, which is a comic book store in Minneapolis. You can find our website by going to nostalgiazone.com. If you're into buying comic books, we've got back issues galore. We go back to Golden Age, but mostly we've got Silver Age and Bronze Age. But, uh, you know, just take a look through our website, see what you're interested in, see if you can find it. We've got a lot of stuff on there. You become a member of our membership, and you save 10% on your purchases. You earn points to save more money on future purchases. And if there's any kind of a sale, uh, members get to uh, have uh, um, get to take advantage of that. Sometimes you get double points when you when you buy stuff. Uh, sometimes you get extra percentage off of uh, some items. Um, if you're if you're a member of our of our membership here at Nostalgia Zone. It, we have comic books that might be on the shelves for a long time, and if they, they're on the shelves for longer than a certain amount of time, they'll get an extra 20% off. And if and some of those, and some books, if they're on long enough, they get an extra 30%, and even some will get another 40% taken off. So you can save some money on these things if you're a member of our store. If you're into buying back issues of comic books, check out Nostalgia Zone. Go to nostalgiazone.com. Check it out. It'll help me keep feeding my wife and I. So, uh, okay, so there's the commercial. So that's where I'm at. I'll try not to do too much uh, throat clearing and, uh, and, and and any of the other stuff. So, hey, sports ballers. <laughs> Let me talk about sports just for a little bit here. As I, I was getting the show together, I remembered that um, the last show I did before last week, which was, a, you know, I took a couple weeks off because of things, and uh, um, I had talked about... The, the fact that the Minnesota Twins, that's a baseball team, uh, that's my beloved Twins, uh, they were in the middle of a four-game series on the road. That means they were playing in New York against the hated Yankees. That's right. They were in the middle of that four-game series. The first two games had been played, and the Twins had won those first two games. And I was pretty, uh, I was pretty impressed with that. Because, you know, the Twins had just been, you know, the, the punching boy. The whipping boy, the the however you want to say it, uh, of of the hated Yankees for 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 a couple of decades, at least. I had the numbers of uh, how bad it was. It's like you know, Twins had like 50 wins to to the Yankees 105 wins over 20 years or something, and that's just that's insane. When they you know playing each other, I mean. So <clears throat> they were in the middle of this series, and they had won the two games which was the equivalent of what in the last 20 years would be a good season for the Twins because the Twins would always play the Yankees either six or seven games a season. Three or four games in New York or three or four game, and three or four games in Minnesota. So, okay, so this, this season they're doing seven games. They got them all out in April, which is unusual. Normally it's a, you have a one, one series in either of the cities. Um, in, uh, in, in the early part of the season, and then the second series would take place in, in later in the season, you know, toward the end of the season. So there, you'd have that, you know. But this time, the people who, and it must be a real, I don't know how they do it, how they schedule everything, but it's got to be a certain science to it and a certain art to it to schedule everything. Uh, they decided, and Major League Baseball decided to put all the games that the Twins were going to play against the Yankees in, in the first, in April. 
uh, the first full month of the season. Uh, the, the season did start in late March, but okay. So, as I said, they were right in the middle of that four-game series. Normally, in uh, the, over the last 20 years, it's a good season if the Twins win two of the six or seven games that they play altogether. They had already won the two, so it might have just been a good season as far as that goes, and it would just end at that. They'd be swept through the rest of the series in New York and then swept to here in Minnesota, and it'd just be the way things are supposed to be, or at least the way they've been for a couple of decades. Well, it turns out they did lose, the Twins, the next two games in that four-game series. So they got a series split out of it. And that's not bad on the road in New York. That's not bad. It's not. It, it's, it, 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 you'd like it better if they won three of the four games or all four of the games. But still, a split on the road with the hated Yankees, that's not bad. And then, later in the month, the, the hated, hated ones come to Minnesota to play the Twins, and the Twins won two of those three games. So, for the first time since 2001, the first time the Twins have won a season series against the, the hated Yankees for the 20, 20, what, one years, 22 years, 22 years. It, it, it took it that's you know that's nuts for one thing but it did feel really good now the yankees are a little they've been having a little iffy stretch and i think that iffy stretch started when the twins started beating, beating them in there there in new york but they're going to get it together i mean they're, they're too much of a superstar team there's too much money behind them the yankees will get it together but hopefully we'll go through another season without having the bronx bastards winning a world series Okay, well, I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go ahead and go to my first break, even though it might seem a little early, but, you know, I've been talking for quite a bit because I had to restart the show, remember? I had I'd done five minutes of material, and I had to redo that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to break. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. <sighs> I'll be back uh, shortly. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. When, oh, when will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. If this station's not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. (laughs) 
You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network and ZTalkRadio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, uh, the uh, co-worker that had uh, walked into the shop apparently had uh, not stayed long. So that's good. I can continue undistracted. I've put in another uh, throat lozenge. I only have one in there. The other one I finished. So during the break, I put in another one. So hopefully uh, you can't tell. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's get to uh, you know the signature segment uh, of my show. Uh, hopefully, this will play. Here we go. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Now I'm going to have a bunch of pedantic moments. Well, a, a couple pedantic moments, maybe. Three pedantic moments, or or is it just two? Anyway, I'm going to have some. Uh, it, I'm going to go on for a while in this pedantic moment because there's a couple things that I need to address. I, I've had uh, I've been having a lot of problems with you people. No, no, it's not Festivus. Uh, anyway, uh, the first one is uh, there's a podcast that I listen to. It's a really good podcast. I want to stress that right from the beginning. I have. I have no problems with this podcast. I think it's really good. It's it's well written. It is a scripted podcast. I think it's it's entertaining. It's informative. It's a really good podcast, and it's called "You Must Remember This." It's hosted by Karina Longworth. She writes it. She hosts it. Uh, she has a uh, you know some people that help her produce it, and all that. And it's really well done. And the focus of this podcast is to explore the unknown or hidden history of Hollywood's first century. I think that's how she says it. And it's great. It's, it's really good. Now, I'll, I'll tell a couple of things that you'll notice if you listen to the series. If you go back or to this podcast, if you go back to the very beginning of it and listen through to the series, she's done a lot of really good, interesting series. Like uh, there was one she did that was, uh, you know, it was about Char- Charlie Manson and how, you know, the Manson stuff affected Hollywood and some of the interconnected things that happened and then just you know stuff like that and then she would do she did a series about uh, blonde women uh, in 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 Hollywood and she you know how that went she did a series about Pauline uh, what's her name uh, Paula Prentice I think that's her name is that her name is that the one no am I not thinking it Pauline Platt that's it I think uh, she was married to oh what the hell is his name gather where the ass got all the damn time directed uh, Paper Moon, Peter Bogdanovich. She, you know, did a series about... Because she and and her husband uh, worked together a lot, and the films that he directed and got so much credit for, the great ones, were the ones that she was producer on. And then when they divorced and they'd stopped working together, his output wasn't quite as good as it had been with her. That was a terrific collaboration between the two of them. Anyway, so she's got great stuff. The one thing you'll notice especially in the earlier 
uh, uh, episodes is that uh, Karina Longworth does have a pace to her speaking. You know, she, it is a scripted show. It's not like mine. I just uh, have a, an outline and then I wing it. And hopefully I go for an hour. Not too much longer. Uh, so this is a scripted show, well produced. She just she'll talk in a very um, uh, she talks very precisely. She speaks very precisely, pronouncing the syllables and you know everything of the word. She, she's very she's very precise in how she talks, and that's just how she does it. That's her style, and it works. It's good. Uh, she does pick up the pace a little bit in the in the more recent uh, series that she's done. Uh, so, so the pacing can be a little bit. I had a friend of mine check it and he says, "Oof, boy, she does. Uh, she kind of talks a little slow, um, and and that's not exactly right. Slow, it doesn't quite. It's just very deliberate." But uh, I said, "Well, she does pick it up later, and you know, so, so don't let that throw you off. Just enjoy the story because it's she's it's well researched. The information is good, and and it's entertaining." So, so check out that series. It's called. It's called. You must remember this. If you're interested in Hollywood and movies and and, and culture and, and and how Hollywood influenced culture and how culture influenced Hollywood and all that kind of stuff, you got to check it out. So she's doing a series right now. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be, but it sounds like it's going to be a, a lot. And she. It's called. Uh, this particular series is called um, Erotic Nineties. So it's you know exploring sex in in film through the 90s, and you know uh, and how uh, you know and how the culture dealt with sex in general, and you know rating systems, and and you know what they could get away with then, and they can't get away with now, and and all this kind of stuff. And she just did an episode that I believe is called Murphy Brown Dan Quayle. And damage. So, if you remember, if you're, if you're my age, you remember that in the '90s, uh, the, the the Murphy Brown TV show was a big hit. Uh, it starred Candace Bergen, and uh, she was playing a a, a middle-aged uh, woman who was a broadcaster on some news thing, and she's and uh, and it, it the show got to be. It may not have started out as political. Uh, as far as you know, commenting on on the world, maybe a little bit, but then it really started to when Dan Quayle kind of pulled her into the uh, pull, pulled her character from the show into the uh, you know how it is that black people don't behave. <laughs> oh, I I maybe that's not what he intended, but that's kind of what came across in the in the aftermath of the Rondi King riots, uh, where the white cops were not held responsible for beating the shit out of Rodney King. Um, the the, the the you know the, the vice president talked about how you know fatherless families and then you got this glorification of the single mother of uh, uh, with Murphy Brown and, and all that and it just kind of rocketed that and uh, Longworth makes the point makes the uh, suggestion that that helped to end the the Reagan Bush years uh, that helped lead to the defeat of George H W Bush and Dan Quayle in the 1992 election, in which Bill Clinton won. She also talks about Bill Clinton and how his proclivities uh, was in the news as he was campaigning and how they he and Hillary went on 60 Minutes and all this stuff. So it's very interesting. And the damage part of it, 
That's a film that came out in 1992, which was directed by Louis Maul, who was married to Candace Bergen. So there's all this kind of connection there. And um, in the film, Damage, is, uh, it stars Jeremy Irons and Juliette Binoche. And Jeremy Irons plays this uh, uh, politician in, in Britain land. And uh, he's, uh, you know, very, you know, prim and proper and, and you know, upper, stiff upper lip kind of British kind of thing. And uh, he, he, he falls in lust for his son's fiancée, who is played by uh, Juliette Binoche. And, 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 it, and apparently the, it's a very steamy film with some steamy sex scenes, which have, you have to be an acrobat to be able to do. Apparently, I've not seen the film. My wife has, and she says it's hot. <laughs> so, there you go. And, uh, but I was, uh, apparently, at least according to Karina Longworth, uh, the critics' reaction to the film, male critics tended to like it better than female critics. Female critics thought it was kind of ridiculous, and they thought that the sex scenes were impossible, <laughs> that kind of thing. And then and male critics tended to like it. And that leads me to my pedantic moment. She said, you know, she, she lists a few names of big-time male critics back in those days. And, and she mentions Siskel and Ebert. Now, I, I love the Siskel and Ebert shows. I watch them every week. I think I've mentioned that before on this show, that there were two shows in the 80s that I never wanted to miss. Late Night with David Letterman and Siskel and Ebert. Those are the two shows. There was a point at which... I, I never watched Murphy Brown. I, I never watched it. Because I just didn't... I was working nights or I was doing something. It, just, it, was, not, it was not something I... Uh, uh, was interested in. And there's a whole stretch, I mean, prior to a certain age, prior to me turning 16 or 17, watching uh, uh, the nighttime evening programming stuff was something I did. I was I was up on all the, the new shows, or a lot of them. And then after 15, 16, something like that, we started doing things in the evening. I didn't care. I didn't watch any of the nighttime shows. So uh, there's, a, there's a, another podcast I listen called Stuck in the 80s. And, and the hosts on that uh, uh, program are just a couple years younger than me. And they had the same experience. They don't do a lot of eight television in the 80s because in the 80s, they were hanging out at night. They weren't watching television. So they don't do a lot of talk about the television from those days. And that's, just, you know, for me, I, I didn't watch a lot of primetime TV. And at a certain point in the 80s, I just I just didn't. You know, from like 1982 on through, I just, I just I didn't watch stuff. So, Okay. But Cisco Niebuhr was a show that I needed to watch every week. I wanted to watch it because I just really liked the show, like the two guys, and and they 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 uh, had a very strong influence on the culture. You know, the thumbs up thing, which was something that Roger Ebert came up with. Because prior to that, and that they, when they were on PBS, they they just said yes or no for a movie. Do you recommend it? Do you not recommend it? Yes or no? There wasn't a thumbs up, thumbs down. They didn't have that from the beginning. It took quite a while. When they apparently, when they switched from public television to going into syndicated television, they came up with this idea. Roger came up with the idea. Why don't we do a thumbs up, thumbs down? And they trademarked it so that other film critics couldn't use thumbs up, thumbs down. Only Siskel and Eber could use it. In fact, only Siskel and Eber can still use it, even though they're both dead. So Roger Ebert's he's got a he's got a site that's run by his wife 
and they have film critics on there and all that, they're allowed to use the thumbs up, thumbs down, but nobody else. Okay, so, um, and, and the thumbs up, thumbs down thing was not a thing until Roger and Gene started doing it on their show. It's cool how that, it, it, you, you, how things, you can pinpoint the start of it. Now, you know, I know it goes back to gladiator times and all that, and I think Roger would even say, uh, they didn't exactly do thumbs up, thumbs down. I think they did a fist for, that would be the thumbs up and a, and a, and a thumbs down for the thumbs down. I think that's what he, how he explained it. Don't quote me on it because I could be wrong. So anyway, <laughs> what does this have to do with my pedantic moment? Well, I'm getting to it. Karina Longworth, when she brings up Siskel and Ebert, who apparently both liked the film and both recommended the film, she said, and I quote, Siskel and Ebert, <clears throat> wait a minute, let's start again, because kind of the lozenge got in the way of the tongue. Siskel and Ebert, who both gave the movie two thumbs up. All right, class. What, what am I pedantic about in that? Come on. Somebody knows. Somebody. Okay, let me tell you. No, they didn't. Now, I'm not saying they didn't thumbs up the movie. They did. But they didn't both give it two thumbs up. They each gave it a thumbs up, culminating in two thumbs up. Siskel and Ebert individually have never given a movie two thumbs up. They give it one. They eat, it's, it's because then the movie would have four thumbs up. So, what Karina meant to write and meant to say was either uh, they, that they both gave the movie a thumbs up or they gave the movie two thumbs up. I know. I know. It's called pedantry. Uh, where am I in my time? Where am I trying to think? Maybe of a, before I continue with these pedantic moments, I'm going to take my second break. I'm going to have a sip of my Dr. Pepper Zero. Going to check the status of my throat lozenge, and I'll be back. So it's going to be a full break for me. But you just sit tight and uh, listen to these wonderful little break things or whatever. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Sea Talk Radio Network. I will be back. To Z Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ZTalkRadio.com. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. I'm Mick West. In my podcast, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, I've extended conversations with people who have been involved in conspiracy culture. I do this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's really interesting. These people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, what they did down there, and what it was that helped them out. Sometimes I also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories, and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side. Secondly, 
I want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation, which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding. The best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. Check it out. Tales from the Rabbit Hole. TFTRH.com <laughs> We're scaring up a good time on your favorite radio station. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I uh, took care of all those things I said I was going to take care of. And um, I'm going to do this little brief little uh, continuation of the uh, uh, pedantic moment, which will go longer than this little brief part here. This is just the second part of my long pedantic moment that I'm having, or pedantic moments. So this is the second part. So uh, 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 there's a new podcast out there. It's called the Time Geek Time... Oh, no, no. It's called the Film Geek Time Machine. Get it right. Film Geek Time Machine. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, and I suppose just about anywhere that you get your podcasts. Just like you can find Dimland Radio on Apple Podcasts or Podbean or just about anywhere that you catch your podcasts from. So if you're not subscribed to Dimland Radio, please do. You don't have to listen to every episode. If you just download and delete, that'll be great. If you are listening, send me an email to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. Send me an email. Tell me you like the show or that you think I'm an asshole. I don't know. I'll, I'll try to take it in stride if you if you don't like the show. But if you don't like the show, why are you listening? But if you do, let me know. Let me know you're out there. I mean, I've got like one listener. So, yeah. No, I've, I've got a few. But anyway. And one of the listeners that I have... Is a is the co-host of Film Geek Time Machine? Yes, it's hosted by Austin, a young fellow named Austin, and his co-host is Tim, and his co-host is a friend of his, and Tim is also a friend of mine, uh, somebody that I know personally, that I've that I hang out with once in a while, almost on a regular basis, and on a pretty regular basis. Now let me tell you about Tim. Tim talks. Uh, he projects when he speaks. He could do, be he could be a stage actor. He has that. He has a voice that projects. Uh, in other words, he's loud, which is fine, because <laughs> my ears are not what they used to be. Oh, I had a hearing test, and I'm, I, I might have mentioned it last week, but I'm a little bit closer to hearing it, but need needing it, but but not 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 yet. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so I think the impossible has happened that we found someone that talks louder than my friend Tim, and that's Austin, who hosts the show, uh, Film Geek Time Machine. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I, he might just be sitting closer to the microphone. Uh, they'll work out their sound thing. Whatever. So uh, what the show is about is uh, the two of them, uh, or the host, has discovered a time machine. And instead of using it to, you know, destroy, you know, to kill Hitler or something, they decided to hop in it and go back to a certain date and go to see six or seven movies 
in a day. They, they work it out where they have enough time to see all these movies. They, 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 they get access to old newspapers' uh, website that they can look and see what movies were in the theaters, and, and then they figure it out. And they pick the ones to watch. They pick a date. So far, they've done their... The first episode was Austin's birthday. The second episode was Tim's birthday. So they go back to that day and that year, and they see the movies. They pick some, and some are movies that they'd never heard of. Some are movies that are classics. So, and it's very interesting. They talk about it. They have a little fun with it. And I think you might enjoy the podcast. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway. What's to be pedantic about? (laughs) Well, my friend Tim quite correctly uh, um, made certain that Austin used the, 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 the proper uh, uh, word for, um, for hanging. When somebody is, when, they, when you hang someone, you know, and in the past tense, you don't say they were hung, you say they were hanged. That's the, you know, I mean, you can say they were hung, but, you know, it gets the dirty thing. Oh, were they? Were they? Were they hung? Were they? Were they really? Yeah. Oh, were they hung? No, you get that You get that thing happening. And I, But I guess it's acceptable because, hey, you know, language changes. Words don't mean anything. Well, they do. But the language does change. And, you know, just got to go with it, I suppose. But it is proper, as far as, far as I'm concerned, the rules here on this show, that the past, ha- past tense of hang, when you're speaking of someone hanging themselves or being hanged, is hanged. So Tim pointed that out to Austin. So you better say hanged. He says, this is the internet, and people are going to yell at you for getting it wrong. It's very good. Except Tim just let Austin absolutely butcher the name pronunciation of the main character that John Wayne played in the film Cahill, U.S. Marshal. From 1973, I believe. Because Austin said, Cahill. And I told that to my wife, and she said, Really? He's, he's never heard the name Cahill? It's Cahill? Really? And I said, I guess he's never heard it. And apparently neither is my friend Tim. Cahill, U.S. Marshal. Anyway, I'm sure I'll hear from Tim about that one. But hey, he's been immortalized. He's been, not only has he, I think sometime in the past, he did point out something to be pedantic about uh, in a film. And, and, he, and he does mention uh, the, uh, the movie uh, 12 Angry Men, I think in that second, they're up to their second episode that you can download of uh, Film Geek Time Machine. And he mentions the film 12 Angry Men because there's an actor that was in that movie that was in a movie that they were reviewing. The actor's name is John Fiedler. Uh, he's kind of a mousy guy. He was one of the regular characters on uh, on the Bob Newhart show. You know, they have that group. Uh, you know, Bob Newhart was a psychologist, and he'd have a group session with people. And um, John Fiedler would play one of the people that would be in there. And, uh, and you know, so he was, he was, he was in 12 Angry Men and, and that. So, um, you know. Uh, so you mentioned that, and 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 I don't think they remember the name, but it's John Fiedler was the name of that character. I don't know where it was going, but <laughs> but anyway, check out uh, uh, Film Geek Time Machine if you like movies and you like listening to people uh, speak loudly <laughs> as they talk about a movie. Uh, it's it's pretty entertaining. I he, you know, I'm not just saying because he's my friend. I, I think it's pretty entertaining. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, that's right. That's why I was bringing up Tim. He he he's he's helped with the pedantic moment because he brings it up on the show that Twelve Angry Men would have been a mistrial. 
It would have been a mistrial because jurors are not allowed to investigate uh, the 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 case that they're hearing. The try they're not allowed to investigate. And juror number eight, played by Henry Fonda, went walking through the kid's neighborhood. The kid that's accused of murdering his father with a knife. He went and bought a knife from a from a pawn shop in that neighborhood. He's just looking around. And that Tim says he's investigating. If that gets found out, that's a mistrial. And not only that, it would be found out because I add to that in my pedantic moment that I talked about that film. I add to that because there's a there's a you know, sorry to spoil this for you, but there's a reveal moment where where juror number eight shows that he has the exact same kind of uh, switchblade knife that the that is the murder weapon, right? He takes it out in a big reveal, boom, you know, because they were saying this knife is so unusual. I've never seen a knife like it, and then he produces this knife from his pocket, boom, right? So then later in that film. Uh, the there's a bit of a dust up and not they weren't hitting but there's shouting going on and the bailiff comes to see if everything's okay and the foreman says oh yeah yeah we're just it's just a little argument we're we're okay it was a friendly little argument oh oh uh, we're done we're done with the knife you can take that back so he hands him back the the evidence knife hands it back to the to the bailiff bailiff takes it away and so then the movie continues and whatever and then finally they come to a verdict and they they leave the the jury room and the camera does a slow pan across the table and the knife that juror eight brought uh, bought from that kid's neighborhood while he was investigating the case which he shouldn't have done is still on the table so the ba the bailiff's going to come in and clean up and he's going to say wait a minute didn't i take that knife out of here what is this knife doing here he's going to bring it to the judge and the judge is going to bring the jurors back and he's going to say why is this knife in the in in the jury room what's the story about this knife they're going to tell me he's going to say mistrial that's what's going to happen so anyway <clears throat> <laughs> You're getting a lot of pedantic moments. Now, that was a revisit to the pedantic moment, but now Tim is immortalized in having been part of a pedantic moment himself. Not just contributing to it, but being part of it. Now, my next thing. This is going to be... This is. I did a little production work on this one. Not, not much. Just took a couple clips from the show. I certainly hope the host of this podcast that I listen to every week doesn't mind that I'm doing this, but I, I, I just couldn't let it go. I can't let this go by. All right. You remember, I think it was a few shows ago, not that many now, but it, was, you know, long, it seems like a long time because I haven't been doing shows. Anyway, but anyway, a few shows ago, I talked about the Mandela Effect, which is uh, a, a collective misremembering of things that happen in the world. Uh, and the the more conspiracy uh, um, um, explanation, the conspiracy theory explanation, is that that parallel universes exist, right? And there's a parallel universe to ours that that somehow intersects with our universe. And in doing so, some of the information from that universe leaks into ours, and we remember something wrong. Like we remember the movie Shazam that starred you know, whoever uh, Sinbad, that the comedian Sinbad. We remember there being a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad, except there's never been a movie called Shazam starring uh, um, uh, uh, what's his name uh, Sinbad. There's never been a movie like that, but people swear there was. There was a movie called Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal, but you know for some reason. 
there's people that remember this. So they think that in that other universe, when the two intersected somehow, that little bit of information leaked in and some of the people picked up on it and they remember there being a movie Shazam. And they call that the Mandela effect because uh, because uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, that, that the fellow from you know South Africa who was put in prison because he was saying, you know, you know, black people should have rights, huh? You know? <laughs> we should have rights. You white people shouldn't be just ruling over us. <laughs> we should have rights, you know? Wouldn't that be good? Then he put him in prison for that. Then he finally got out of prison and he became president, the first president of South Africa. I don't know what they did before then. They had premiers or, or governors or what. I don't, I don't know. I mean, what am I? A historian? I don't know. But anyway, you know, th there are people that, that remember him dying in prison, but he didn't die in prison. But that's because they think, and, and those that are in that conspiracy and think that the two universes, they, 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 they intersected for a moment, and that in that other universe, Nelson Mandela did die in prison, and so that little bit of information comes out and gets stuck in some people's minds, which is, of course, total bullshit, but that's what some people believe, okay? Right, so that's the Mandela effect. It's a collective misremembering. And I'm not sure... What the, I, I'm not sure what the, it's just, you know, people just misremember. All right. I don't know if there's, uh, what the psychological explanation for what happens is, what it's about. But anyway. <clears throat> so coincidentally, like a couple shows ago for George Robb, that's all I'm talking about here now. George Robb, his podcast, The Geologic Podcast, a couple episodes ago, he read on his show his essay that he had written some time ago about the Mandela Effect. I mean, you know, nice coincidence. That's, oh, that's a coincidence. I was just talking about the Mandela Effect. And here's Geo going to be reading this essay about the Mandela Effect. Okay? And he gives a couple examples about uh, uh, that uh, for, the, for the Mandela Effect. And I'm, <clears throat> hopefully, going to hit the right buttons and, uh, uh, and be able to play... I have to get it pulled up here... And be able to play uh, the pedantic moment... Uh, or, or the moment, a moment from his show. I hope Gio doesn't mind that I pulled these out of his show, but I, I, I feel I should, I need to talk about it. So I'm going to put my headphones on, and hopefully I'll be able to do this without uh, messing it up. So here we go. I'm going to play this first clip, which is Gio talking about Empire Strikes Back. Here it comes. Examples of the Mandela Effect run the gamut from simple to incredibly complex. What did Darth Vader say to Luke right before he cut his hand off in The Empire Strikes Back? Luke, I am your father, right? Well, no, he actually says, no, I am your father. Okay, did you got it? Okay, did you, did you catch it? Did you catch what I would be pedantic about in that? Did you catch it? Do you know the movie? Have you seen Empire Strikes Back? If you haven't seen it, then you probably don't know it. But you probably have heard about the Luke, I'm your father. It's just not what Darth Vader says. He is correct there. He did not say, Luke, I'm your father. He says, no, I am your father. Which, Geo had a weird read of that line. No, I am your father. No, it's, it's no, I am your father. That's how he reads it. That's how James Earl Jones says it in the film. All right? Okay. But what is the pedantic moment there? Well, let me tell you. Before... He cuts Luke's hand off before, before, no, it was after Darth Vader slices off Luke's hand. Remember the scene? It was a long scene of the two of them having their, 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 their big lightsaber battle. 
And, uh, you know, it it's sort of goes in a couple of parts. It's the first part where they're in this, this hallway. And they, they, they come out of the, uh, the, the, actually, the first part of the lightsaber duel starts in the, in the chamber where they froze uh, um, Han Solo. And then, and, you know, it starts there and it moves out into this hallway. And Darth Vader's using the force to pull things off the wall and throw them at Luke. So Luke has to not only fight away these things flying at him, but he has to also watch out for Darth Vader's lightsaber thing. So, you know, it's back and forth. And then this window gets busted open and Luke gets sucked out into this big open area they're up in and in, in this cloud city and it's like, apparently this is like in the center of it and there's a big open area that just drops way the heck down there and he starts to fall but he lands luckily on some catwalk kind of thing and he, and he so he's, he's okay and somehow the uh, lightsaber didn't disappear from him he still got it and he gets up and he starts to get off the catwalk and walk back into the uh, into the uh, wherever, and Darth Vader's there already, and so the two of them continue their their lightsaber battle on this catwalk thing, and it's back and forth, back and forth until Luke gets a hit on 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 Darth Vader's shoulder. He, he tags him on the shoulder, and you know, ah, you know, it's like, ah, and you know, then that pisses off Vader, so Vader gets the presses it even more, and then whoop, off goes Luke's hand. And you know, a big cry out of pain from Luke, and then, and then Luke is starting to move out, even off the catwalk onto this 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 extended uh, metal rigging that goes out to a, I don't know, a sensor of some kind, something that he starts crawling on. So he gets over there and he's holding onto it, and Vader's trying to convince him to join him as you know to rule the galaxy as father and son well he didn't say that quite yet he's just kind of working up to it he's saying you know resistance is futile or words of that effect and 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 vader says i'll never or the luke says i'll never join you and at some point uh vader says obi-wan never told you what became of your father and luke says he told me enough he told me you killed him and then then vader says no i am your father and luke says no that's not possible blah 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 you know okay it was after he got the hand cut off, not before. <clears throat> now, I'm going to have a sip <clears throat> before I continue here. Just uh, bear with me. Ooh, that Dr. Pepper Zero is good. Anyway. <clears throat> okay, I have a second pedantic moment with Geo's talk about the Mandela Effect. And I'm going to play that uh, right now. So uh, keep your ears open. Here we go. Humphrey Bogart doesn't say play it again, Sam, in Casablanca. He says, play it once, Sam, for old time's sake. Play as time goes by. No, he didn't. No, Humphrey Bogart did not say, <laughs> play it, Sam, for old time's sake. Play as time goes by. No, he did not say that. He, it's, uh, uh, Gio's right that he didn't say play it again, Sam. He didn't say that. But he also didn't say what, what Gio says he said while doing the, the impression of Bogart. Bogart does not say, play it, Sam, for old time's sake, play as time goes by. No. Ingrid Bergman says that line as her character Ilsa when she first is introduced into the film and 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 Sam is playing piano in Rick's cafe Rick is the character played by Humphrey Bogart this is the film Casablanca uh, and, and 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 there's Sam sees Ilsa come in there with her with with uh, with uh, Victor Laszlo sees you know she's you know her husband or whatever sees them come in 
and uh, and uh, he gets he gets nervous because he's recognizing her and she's recognizing him because there's a past, right? There's a past between Ilsa and and Rick and Sam was involved because he's Rick's friend and all that. So uh, at some point, uh, Ilsa asks uh, uh, asks I think she asks the uh, maitre D to have the the piano player come over bring the piano over to the table and which is something they do in cafes i guess but and, oh and that led that that is a cringe moment when you watch the movie today it's a brilliant film it's brilliant but that's a cringe moment because when she asks about the piano player she calls him a boy the that boy playing piano can you she, she's she calls him a boy the guy's the guy's in his 50s <laughs> he's he ain't no boy but that's you know that's the you hear that and you go ah, ah. nobody at the time or hardly anybody at the time when that film came out in 1941 42 when that movie came out nobody was saying oh that's oh, oh. they just they just went right by didn't even notice yeah we call black men boy huh. anyway <clears throat> it's an otherwise wonderfully brilliant film and there might be another cringe moment or two in there yeah i suppose but but that one's just uh, uh, uh. So, okay. So Sam brings the piano over to her. And they're talking. And there's a lot of wonder under the bridge. It's been a long time. And all this kind of stuff. And she, she asks him to play some of the old songs, Sam. Play some of the old songs. And then she says, let's see, she says, uh, play it once, Sam, for old time's sake. Play it, Sam. Play as time goes by. See, Gio didn't even get the play it, Sam part in there. But he says, Bogey didn't say that. Ingrid Bergman said it. Okay, what did Bogey say? Because he didn't say, play it again, Sam. He didn't say that. So, after this, this because this leads to a scene where, where Rick comes over, he hears the song, uh, as time goes by, being played and sung by Sam. He comes over and he says, Sam, I told you never to. And then he sees, uh, you know, sees Ilsa. And it's like, oh, there's the swell of music. We know there's a past between these two. And, and it's like, oh, and then there's this, this uh, all kinds of things start to happen that Rick has never done before. And, and like, like he sits and has a drink with a guest, which he, with guests, which he never does, but he does there. And then he, you know, just there's stuff that he does. And then later on in the film, after the cafe is closed, there's 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 Rick sitting drinking away his sorrows, and Sam comes in and says, "You know, come on, boss, let's let's get out of here. Aren't you ever going to leave? What you going to do?" And he says, "Nah, you just you get out of here. I'm, no, you know." And then Sam says, "No, I'm I'm going to stay right here." And he brings the piano over and he starts kind of playing some music, and then at some point, Rick asks him, "What's that you're playing?" And then Sam says, "Oh, it's just a little something on my own." And he says, "Well, you, you know what I, you know what I want to hear." No, I don't. And he says, "You know," he he, he says he ends up saying the line. He says. Uh, uh, what does he say? You, you, you played it. Let's see. You played it for her. You can play it for me, right? He says that, and, and then he says uh, later. He says, "If she can, if she can stand it, I can play it." Now I'm not doing a Bogart accent, but that's what's said. So he does not say, "Play it for time." You know, play it, Sam, for old time's sake. Plays time goes by. Ilsa says that. That's Ingrid Bergman's character. She says that. Bogey doesn't say it. Geo even put the bogey accent on there, or the impression on there. It's, 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 it's like, how, how could you get that wrong? So there's, there's three possibilities here. Uh, Geo just didn't do his research well enough. It's the first possibility. Or he's messing with us. He's messing with pedants like me. 
right? He's just doing it, just to mess with pedants like me, because we know where he's, he's going to start getting emails saying, hey, dude, actually, <laughs> actually, Darth Vader said, no, I'm your father, after he cut off Luke's hand, and actually, it was Ilsa that said that line, which you didn't get the full line, and, 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 and Rick was the one that said, you played it for, she can stand it, I can stand it, play it, you know. <laughs> if she can stand it, I can play it. Maybe he's doing that. Or maybe, maybe, the two parallel universes intersected. And in that other universe, those two things that Geo wrote about happened the way he writes about them. And that, that bit of information s s leaked out of that universe into Geo. And he doesn't realize that he's become victim of the Mandela effect, which is real. And it's two uh, parallel universes that interconnect. And that's what's happening. It's got to be happening. No, no. He just didn't do his research. <laughs> Occam's razor. He just didn't do his research. He just got it wrong. I, I, that, that's got to be it. But otherwise, his podcast is pretty good. You should check it out. It's the Geologic Podcast, hosted by George Robb, who was a guest on my show way back when. When I actually had some guests on once in a while. It was pretty cool. I actually plucked up the courage to ask him, would you do it? <laughs> he said, yeah. And then we did, I recorded it and played it later on the show. And, and it was kind of cool. So, okay. How much goddamn time have I got left? <laughs> Not much. Uh, I'm going to uh, end with, with this little bit of brilliance that I saw. Uh, and it's a movie theme, to, too. It's got a movie theme to the show. Somebody put out a meme... On the, on, the, on the social media that was, uh, they were asking for, you know, people to contribute, uh, um, um, uh, to suggest characters in films who didn't deserve their fate. And somebody brilliantly put in Allison Reynolds. Do you know who Allison Reynolds was? You know the movie Breakfast Club? You know that film? Uh, it's these teenage kids going to high school. They all get detention, and uh, and they're and they and they're there's you know there's the rebel kid. There's the there's the the princess you know the rebel boy, the princess girl, uh, you know, the the jock boy, the geek boy, and the artist, weird girl, strange, quiet, odd, unusual girl. Well, that girl was Allison Reynolds, played by Ali Sheedy. Now, I saw Breakfast Club when I was in art school. And the, the, this, the, 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 when the person asked the question in the, in, in, on, on, I don't know if it was on Twitter or whatever, but it became a meme, asked the question, which character you know, didn't deserve their fate, someone answered with showing two pictures of Allison Reynolds from that film. The, the, the Allison that we spent most of the film with, with her hair that bangs down just into her eyes and wearing the dark clothes and just kind of hunched in there and, you know, weird looking and kind of furtive in her gaze looking around and, and just strange. But we see she's an artist because she's doing some drawing, but she needs a head and shoulders because she uses her dandruff to make snow on the drawing. And, and uh, uh, we see this kind of stuff. And she's, she just seems, to, you know, to me, she seemed kind of cool. And then, then uh, I don't know what's, what's the name of the character. It was a Blair, 
played by Molly Ringwald, the princess. The princess makes her a princess. And I remember being in art school. It came out of that. It came out of that movie. Says they took the most interesting character and made her blah, <laughs> blah. That's that. I'm not impressed. I liked her better as the other character. She didn't even have detention. She just had nothing to do, so she showed up. She was interesting. She was an interesting character, and then he turned to into another Blair, another Blair, or whatever the hell their name was. Ah, blah. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. And I showed, I think it was Amy that spotted that. Amy was the one that spotted the, the person who had shared it. They clipped it out and made it into a meme and shared it around on the, on the social media. So she spotted it and she showed it to me. And I said, yeah, I hated that. When I saw that in the movie, I thought that was, that was one of the worst parts of it. I, it's not my favorite John Hughes film. Uh, I didn't like that... You know, all the kids blame their parents for all their problems. A couple of the kids had legitimate reasons to blame their parents, but the others, you know, it's like, eh, you know, kid, get over it. But I think that was because I aged beyond the target audience by that point. I think that's why. I, I much prefer uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. I like Ferris, Day, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I like those better. Breakfast Club is fine. It's just, you know, there's no way that a jock can yell loud enough to break glass. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> That's my pedantry for that. But when I, I when I expressed that to my wife, she looked at me and she says, Oh, that's why I love you. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. I mean, I hope there's more reasons than just that that she loves me, but she loves me. Well, you've been listening to Dimland Radio and the Sea Talk Radio Network. I want you to be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Remember, the answer is never magic. Uh, and yes, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. I got through it without a cough. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.